0: When Denise and I first got married many years ago, we were working at a church, and this particular church, part of the salary package they offered was also parsonage. Now, some of you may be too young to know what a parsonage is. Others will tell your age by this. It was a house that the church owned, and that was part of our salary package was to live there for free. And so um, we'd been living in a nice apartment. We'd only been married about a year. We'd been living in a nice apartment, and so they offered this parsonage. And so I was smart enough, even though I'd only been married a year, to go take a look at it before I actually took my wife to it. And I knew after I looked at it, it was not com- comparable to the new apartment that we were living in. But I also knew that it was free, which made it much more beautiful to me. And so I went home and I told my wife all about this parsonage and to kind of describe it to her in a very not detailed way that I described this parsonage to her. And, it, and I told her, I said, here's the deal. It doesn't have all the modern conveniences that we're used to. It doesn't have things like um, a dishwasher it doesn't have a disposal now this was in texas in dallas texas and i said and it doesn't have central heat and air either but i think god can really use us in the neighborhood in this particular house and so she agreed she was madly in love with me you know it was back in those early stages of marriage where she just loved me so much she overlooked a lot of things and so um, we moved in this parsonage and living there about a week or two we realized there was things that not only did i not describe we didn't recognize like some might say that it needed weather stripping underneath the back door It needed more than weather stripping, it needed the other half of the door. You could literally see the sun rise and set on that back door. It was just like crazy. No air conditioning. And so my friend had some box units that he worked for an air conditioning company and they took them out of an old hotel. You know those kind that you turn on one speed and it sounds like a jet is landing in your front yard? So we put those box units everywhere in the house. It had Dearborn heaters, do you know what those are, in the rooms? And so it had the gas heater, you turn those on, and if you were standing by that thing you could roast marshmallows. You stepped away about five feet, and you wouldn't feel the heat. But anyway, we we did our best. We moved into it, and it was wonderful. But as time went on, more and more things came to our attention that wasn't quite what she expected in a house. And what broke the straw the the straw that broke the camel's back. One night, we're laying in bed in our bedroom and I think bears must have been in the attic because they were just, just scrambling around. We're in Dallas, there's no bears, but it sounded like bears were up there. And so we turned on the light and we noticed there's a small tiny hole in the ceiling above our bed and we hear the And I'm thinking, well, it must be raccoons, it must be squirrels, it must be bears, something's up there. And all of a sudden, we found out later it was a squirrel and he put his little paw through the hole and waved at us down on the bed. It was at that moment that my wife said, I love you, but not enough to live here with you. So you can stay here, but I'm not staying here any longer. And we both really looked at each other that day and said, What in the world have we gotten ourselves into? Now, you might not have ever moved into a house like that, a parsonage with holes in the ceiling and seeing the sunrise, but we've probably all been in situations where you look at in the mirror and say this, or you look at somebody and say, What in the world have we gotten ourselves into? And so I want to talk to you today a little bit more about the series that we just started last week, From Porch to Patio. Now, if you missed last week, you're going, what in the world is a series called From Porch to Patio? The series is about community. The series is about sharing life with one another, which is the way that God designed us. Last week, we went all the way back to Genesis, and we recognized that God created us in community. God the Father, God the Soul, and God the Holy Spirit, and so in community, He created us for community. And it's been that way since the beginning of time that God has created us, God has made us to need relationships and live and share life with one another. And so this series, From Porch to Patio, here's kind of our our, our symbolic way we're looking at it. If you live in a house, you step out on your porch and you shake hands with somebody, but it's a very surface relationship. But when you invite those people to your patio back through your house, the back patio to have a beer, share a drink, spend some time with one another, that's where real life takes place. And so many of us, in the world that we live in, but also in the churches that we belong to, we live life on the porch. We're shaking hands with people, we're greeting people. You can look around the room and say, I know that person, I recognize this person, I recognize this person. But somehow in our society, we become so individualistic. And so many times in our churches, we become so individualistic that we are living lives alone. We're on the porch just waving at people. And God's word teaches us, and that's what we're looking at in our series From Porch to Patio, that God's word teaches us, invites us, encourages us to go from the porch to the patio. To go from individualistic living to more communal living to sharing life with one another. And so, as we talk about this, I said last week one of the goals of this series is to encourage, to nudge, to some of you kick you into community so you can experience the patio with other people. But I started thinking this past week, okay, I'm standing up here as a pastor going, hey, everybody needs to get in a group, everybody needs to get in a group. But you may be asking the same question that I asked when we moved that home and what we turned into. What in the world is a group? You're like, okay, I might be interested in sharing lives with people, I might be interested in stepping into community, but Keith, you're asking me to commit to go to a group every single week. What happens in a group? And so I thought, here's what we'll do today. I want to take a look and show you in God's Word what happens in a group. Because as we designed our community, our groups here at the church, they're not just like, we didn't just sit out and go, okay, what would be the five funnest things to do in a group? We looked at Scripture and says, what does God want to happen in a group? So if you have your Bibles, and we'll have it up here on the screen, you could look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And I think as I look at Scripture, this is probably the first account of group. This is the first account of community. Now, people have been doing community, but this is kind of the first organized, new church, New Testament principle of what a group looks like. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. It says, all the believers, starting there in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper, and a prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." So in those first few verses there, I think the Scripture shows us what happens in a group. And so I want to give you four words today. If you've got your outlines, you can fill in the blanks if you want to. There are four words that describes what happens in a group. And that way as you're thinking about something, And this is what I want to commit to, you'll know exactly what should and will be taking place in the groups you belong to. And so here's the first word. You can write it down. What happens in a group? You will discover Scripture together. The Scripture said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, but you will discover scriptural truths together. You know, I've shared with you a few weeks ago, we moved in our new home. And you may look at me going, wow, pastor, can you do everything? And my wife will tell you, he can do very little, okay? He may can stand up there and talk, but that kind of stops right there. When it comes to handyman, I have zero ability. Probably the only thing I have less ability is is if I got up here and tried to sing. So it's really on the zero level right there. So we moved in this new home, and our master bedroom closet, it's like a really tall closet. I've never seen a closet so tall. And they've got shelves at normal range, but I realized we could hang shelves at a whole nother level and actually have more room for our clothes. And so I looked at Denise, I said, you know what I'm going to do in our new home? I'm going to hang some shelves just like the shelves already in there. She looked at me with that look that I've known now for 30 years going, really? And so I didn't quite get the confidence from her that I was looking for. And so I called my son in Dallas and I said, Jordan, I think I'm going to have shang- hang these shelves in our closet. And he said, Dad, I'll be visiting in a few weeks. Why don't you just wait till I get there and I can help you with that? And so there was this little pride that reared up me going, no, I'm going to put these shelves up. And so I went to Home Depot and I looked down the aisle and I saw all the materials that I needed. And I went to the Home Depot expert and I said, tell me what I need to do and how I need to do this. And this person looked at me and just bam, 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 bam. Like They were the closet expert. And I listened and I shook my head and I shook my head and I thought, dear God, I have no idea what this person is saying. This is like a foreign language to me. So I went home and I watched the YouTube. And as I watched that YouTube, I'm still thinking, this is still a foreign language. But by this point, my motivation, my pride, that let me show you everybody that I can do this kicked in. And I got up on my ladder and I started trying to hang shelves. A few holes later with no or in the holes that I've drilled in the wall, I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. And I thought of this, you know, I've got somebody told me, the Home Depot expert told me something, the YouTube told me something, but I was still kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. So then I called a friend. And a friend first of all gave me encouragement which i had not received from my family at this point and gives me some encouragement says well why don't you try this go try this call me back i'm not there but call me back and so we went through a couple of days of just conversations trial and error do this do this and i want you to know can i get a picture i did it okay i've got shelves up in my closet i did it all by myself wife you can stand up right now if you want to and say you're the best okay this would be a perfect opportunity to do that But here's what I've realized there was two things going on when I got the expert advice from the Home Depot person And I watched YouTube it was somebody talking at me at me at me But when I got on the phone with my friend and they talked with me They were able to let me share what I did what didn't work. What should work? How should we do there was this going back dialogue that helped me grow as an expert shelf hanger-upper now, here's why I tell you this story The reason i think groups and community and meeting together is so important on sunday morning you come up here and i'm not sure i'm an expert like the home depot person but what you get on sunday morning is me talking 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 at you and you may hear a a scriptural truth that you're not really sure you're understanding you might hear an application that you're not sure how that works but you never have the opportunity to dialogue that with me I am giving you knowledge that I know from Scripture and a potential application of it, but it's me talk, 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 talk. But when you join a group, when you experience community as God's Word designs, and you meet with people in a group, you get to talk it out. You get to show up next week going, you know what, this is something God's taught me or Keith said this Sunday, and I don't even know if I agree with it, but I don't understand it. And all of a sudden, it's not just what you know in your head, you also begin to share, Keith, this is where I'm Or in your group, this is where I'm struggling. Would you pray for me in this way? This is what I've got to do next week. This is what's going on in my life. And all of a sudden, there's 10, 12, 13 people in the room, and life starts hitting life together. And you realize that you're not alone in your struggles. You realize you're not alone and alone in the difficulties you're encountering. You realize you're not alone and not always feeling God like you think you should feel God. And you realize you don't understand everything in the Bible, and neither do they. And all of a sudden, instead of a dialogue, it becomes this conversation, a life-on-life life conversation. That's the reason I choose the word in a group you discover. Because it's a lot easier to discover when you're talking with people than when somebody's talking at you. That doesn't mean we don't value this this opportunity, because the Bible lets us know there that there was times the apostles and teachers would say and do certain things, but it's when life came together in groups that they got to really discover what God's teaching was all about. I think this, that life transformation best takes place in circles, not in rows. Let me say that again. Life transformation where my life begins growing and changing and looking more like Jesus takes best takes place better when you're in circles in a home, circles in a classroom, circles in a group as opposed to sitting lines and rows in a church. It's there that we get to discover. Let me show you a verse. That verse is found in— Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, and it says this. Paul writes and he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, look what he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See we don't work for our salvation. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get all of salvation. But salvation and knowing God is a growing opportunity, and so we're to work out and grow in that. And here's the way I look at it. If we're to work and grow in our salvation, then just like a gym is where you go to work out your, your, your body, a group is where you go to work out your salvation. That's where you get to stretch and pull and move all those spiritual muscles with people around you to help you with that. And so the first word that I want to describe, what is a group, what happens in community is you discover God's teaching and how it applies to your life. Here's the second word, and you can write this on your outline. The second word is engage. You engage. Here's what that passage says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, so you engage with one another. Now, there's lots of ways we fellowship, right? The Broncos are starting up the season here in a few weeks, the real season, not the preseason. And there'll be a lot of fellowship that you'd invite people over for the game and you have snacks and drinks and you have a good time with that. Maybe this past week you've met somebody for happy hour and that was the way that you engage with other people. Maybe you went to lunch with some college friends. That was the way to engage with people. There's all kinds of ways to have fellowship with people. But the word that the Bible uses there, fellowship, in that Acts chapter 2 is a Greek word called koinonia. So as you know, the Bible was not written in English, it was written thousands of years ago, and the language, was, language it was written in was a language called Greek. And so what's happened, the biblical scholars have had to take that Greek and translate it and try to find the best English word to convey the meaning of what the people in Greek, when they wrote that, wrote about the New Testament. So the original word was Cornelia. Now, if you get nothing more out of today, I want you to walk out here going, I'm smart. Okay, so would you look at your, word, your, your neighbor and just say that word, koinonia. You just spoke Greek. Okay, look how smart you've already become. Okay, now you not only know that word, said that word, but let me give you a little bit more detailed definition of this word, koinonia. It's often translated as in Acts chapter 2 as fellowship. But fellowship has become such a surface word in our society, it no longer really conveys what this word koinonia meant. This word koinonia really had a definition to share with someone above and beyond the relationship. In other words, it is koinonia is what a parent does with a child. They're more than just a parent that puts breakfast on the table. They are to share life with one another. This past week and you'll meet him here this next week. We had an intern move in with us. This is right over there. His name is Ryler. He moved here and he's going to help with our worship ministry. And I told Ryler when he came, he's living with us for three months. I said, basically, our life is now Cornelia. We're not just giving you a bedroom to stay in a refrigerator to get some food out of. We are sharing our life with you much, much more than fellowship. And so when the Bible describes their fellowship with one another, the reason I like the word engage is because that's what happens when two lives and more than two lives come together and they begin sharing life with one another. Maybe about 15 years ago, Denise and I were at a church in Houston, and this church was a massive church. There were about 5,000 people. They had Sunday school classes every Sunday morning. They had ministries going on. It was a busy, busy, thriving church. And we'd been there about four or five years. And I went home one day, and I said, Denise, you know what? I said, I've been at this church. I'm the youth pastor here. I've served as a children's pastor here. Of 5,000 people, I guarantee you that I can look and name a thousand of them, and probably 2,500, 3,000 know me because of my position on the church. But I said, you know, we've been here almost five years, and I bet I can count on two hands the number of people that we really call friends. There was thousands of porch people but very few patio people in our lives. And so I said, you know what? Our church doesn't do small groups at that time. They do Sunday school classes on Sunday morning. And they they were awesome Sunday school classes, but they kind of did Sunday morning and they didn't see each other until the next Sunday morning. And so I said, why don't we start a group? I mean, if God has this need in us, if God's created us for community and we're not experiencing it, we need to like make a step forward. And so I'll never forget, I got on the phone and I called about five different couples that had kids our kid's age. And I said, This is kind of crazy. We are busy at church. We love church, but we're missing deep friendships. Would you be interested in joining a weekly group with us that we'll just do life together? We'll bring the kids, we'll share a meal, we'll do a Bible study, whatever, chaos with all the kids. So these five families, we joined together. One year later, our life was changed. Because my kids in that one week now not only had mom and dad as mom and dad, they had adopted mom and dads. There was experiences that we went through as individuals in that group. That life was on life, and it was the most amazing year of our life. In fact, it was so amazing. After a year, we all got together that group, going, "Okay, are we going to continue with this group?" And about that time, a church in Dallas called and said, "Asked me, would I be interested in moving to that church?" And here's what happened in my niece's soul: like, we loved this group, but we knew the current church where are in that where that group was in Houston would not be interested in doing more groups. And we said this group has changed our lives, but we can't keep going forward in the big church life if groups are not a part of it. We're going, we've discovered this whole idea of community. We have discovered the patio with people, and we need to be a part, part of a church where patios are the primary focus of what they do. And so while it changed our life, it also like grieved our life because we knew the church wasn't moving towards that. Because we discovered engagement. We discovered more than just showing up for an hour in attendance, we, ent- we, we discovered engagement. In fact, that was actually probably 15 years ago that this took place. One of the families that is watching online, they now live in Oklahoma. They moved from Houston, moved to Oklahoma. We have vacationed with them. We have done life with them. Our kids have gone to school. It all started this little bitty group together. And they now consider South Sub Church their church home because they've joined us here. That's how tight the relationships in that group were and still are to this day. Engagement. In fact, they're gonna be here next week and you get to meet one of your furthest attending church members who live in Oklahoma but attend every single Sunday. So that's the second word. Let me give you the third word. Third word is this, care. So, in the words that we're using to describe, so you'll know what a group is, the first word that we look at is discover, the second word is engaged. the third word is care. Here's what the Bible says. It says, they devoted themselves to the sharing in meals. Now, don't be, don't be misled when you read that sharing in meals. You think, oh, the third word should be eat, not care. No, no, during the eating is what they did, but the caring is what took place. When I came several months ago, I said, hey, I'm here and I want to get to know you. And so, like, we opened ourselves up, said, who wants to eat with us? Come invite us. We'll come to your house and eat. Denise and I have had a, quite an adventure over the last three or four months, meeting and eating with different people, being invited to their homes. We, we went over to Mike and Rose's house li- last night and had an amazing time. I was supposed to be home by 7.30 so I could get ready for today. So we didn't get home till like 8.30 or 9. So if this sermon is not really good, it's Mike and Rose's fault. They kept us out way, way, way too long last night. We've been at Jordan Paul's house. We've been at Sharon's house. We've been at Liz's house. We've been so many of y'all that invited us to the house. In fact, we took an extreme. Not only did we want to share meals with you guys, when we lost our house because we we're in an Airbnb before our new house was built, we invited ourselves to live um, with Steve and Vicky. So we're taking this whole community all to an extreme, okay? Most of you won't experience it that much. But here's what I'll tell you. Every time we go to someone's house to eat, they've got the spread out. They've got the food. They've got the appetizers. I know they don't eat food at dinner like that every night. There's no way nobody could sustain that. But here's what I know. They put it all out not to impress us, but to care for us. They put it all out not just to feed our bellies, but what they really did was they fed our souls because they cared for us. And I think as, as, as Acts talks about this whole sharing meals together, they were not describing a dinner plate, they were describing a lifestyle, that people would come together and they would share more than chicken and beans and rice and whatever else you serve. They would share lives. They would share stories around the table. They would share struggles around the table. But their struggles and sharing wouldn't stop at the table when they got up because they lived life so with one another that they cared for one another when they weren't sitting at the table. And so what takes place in a group? It's care. I can't tell you how many funerals I've done and the same words have came out of my mouth or other people's life or mouths around funerals. How does a person that doesn't have community within a church make it through a grieving time such as a death? Because you will see community at its very, very best at a funeral at South Sub Church. You will have ladies that will take care of a reception, and they don't just do a reception to go get some store-bought cookies. They're asking the people that are grieving, what was your loved one's favorite cookie? What was the memories of the loved one? They're setting up centerpieces that have to do with the life of the one that we're grieving. They're bringing the favorite cookies and the favorite snacks in, so there's just this moment of memory. They are serving and loving. I don't know how people that aren't plugged into a group really make it through life. You know, I hung the shelves up all by myself, a little individualistic, right? There's gonna come a time in a few weeks that I need to hang a TV bracket to put our TV downstairs. And my wife has already looked at me and said, you're not touching that by yourself, okay? (laughs) It's one thing to have holes in my closet that don't belong there, but you're not putting holes in my den that don't belong there. You will call community. So some of you, I will call you would you like to care for me and help me hang my TV bracket here in a few weeks? That's what it's all about. And so it's care that takes place. It's sharing meals, caring for one another. Last week, if you're here, I told you that sociologists think that we believe in the most individualistic society that we've ever had before. And they gave us three characteristics of what it means to be individualistic in our culture, in our society. And here's the three characteristics. We think of ourselves over others. Remember, this is individualistic living. We think of ourselves over others. We choose to cancel rather than to reconcile. And we value individual rights over community responsibilities. That's a description of an individualistic society culture that we live in. But a life that's focused on community, it says this, that we think of others over ourselves. We choose to reconcile rather than to cancel. And we value community responsibilities over individual rights. When we start reversing what society is doing, that's when we become a caring society. You know what I found that happens in that part? That your neighbors and the people that you know begin looking at you going, I want that. I want that. Because they're not seeing the world we live in. And so actually our community becomes a witness for God. More than just something we get to engage in and depend on and go to, it becomes something the world looks at going, I see a clearer picture of God because the way you're living your life with one another. And then here's the last word I give you. The last word, if you want to know what happens in a group, what happens in this actual thing we call community or the back patio. The last word is depend. You learn to depend on God together. Now, let me read the verse to you that I got that from. It says this, they devoted themselves to prayer. So many times we think of prayer as a prayer list that's praying for your aunts, best friends, next door neighbors, younger sons, cousins, schoolmate. And you got this list, and yes, you're making a prayer list, but you're so disconnected from people, you're just praying them. Or you think of prayer as something that someone does that knows how to speak out loud orally well, so it's that eloquent prayer that somebody in the group gets nominated to pray out loud because no one else feels worthy. Can I give you my definition of prayer? Prayer at its very best, at its very basic, is this dependence on God. Because when I'm praying that prayer list, I'm going, God, I'm praying for these things because I depend on you to help with them. Uh, when I'm praying for struggles in my life, God, I need your help. I'm depending on you. And so when the early church got together here in Acts chapter 2, and it says they, they depended or they met in prayer, here's what they were doing. They were learning with one another to depend solely on God. And do you know why community and group is so important for that? Because when I'm on my own praying, I'm depending on God. But I don't know about you, but too many times there's a tug of war between me and God and trying to depend on him. Oh, God, would you take care of this? But let me do this. And it's like I'm not giving it up fully to God. But when I'm in a group and I share with somebody in my group, hey, I'm going through this struggle or this is going on in my life or somebody in my, my family sick, and would you, would you pray with me for this? They're helping me to take the very thing that I'm holding in my hand that I'm giving to God and truly give it up to God. It is in community that we learn to release even better. And so when they met together for prayer, they were doing more than verbalizing words and essays and thoughts to God. They were really taken from the depths of their heart, and they're going, to help me, God, I give this up to you. And those around you can help you give it up to God and not take it back to God. Because why? You're working out, you're discussing, you're talking, and this is when all four of those four characteristics, characteristics go together because they are helping become a more fully follower of Jesus Christ. I think about several years ago, um, Denise and I were in a, youth, in a group in Texas. And I'll never forget one night I was at the grocery store getting milk. I, I remember clearly I've got a jug of milk in my hand. And I get a phone call from one of the members in our church, in our group and he said Keith Caitlin who was his daughter he goes Caitlin's been in a horrible wreck a drunk driver just t-boned her we're heading to the hospital we don't know if she's going to live and i remember to this day that, that that gallon of milk in my hand and just going dear god i don't know what to do and i do remember i couldn't even get the wherewithal to put it back in the refrigerator section i just set it on the floor i got in my car i called nic going, here's what happened i'm heading to the hospital And this poor girl, Caitlin, she's a survivor today, but she went through more broken bones, more broken parts. The doctor said there's no way that she's going to live, but she made it through all of it. And I remember we moved our group from a Sunday night meeting in someone's home to the hospital because her family couldn't leave the hospital rooms with her. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, we met together and we prayed and there was nothing that we could physically do to to help Caitlin, but we knew help her parents god give it up to you and i wish you could meet Caitlin right now she still has some 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 difficulties from it she had some head trauma but she's a living testimony of not just what god did in her life but what god did in our lives as we all learned to give it up and give to god and so dependence is a major part for us to depend that's what happens in the group And so those are the four things. If you're sitting there going, okay, I might be interested in a group. I don't know what happens. I don't know who's going to be there. Those are the four things. And like I said, these aren't four things that we invented. These are four things that Scripture put out for us. And this is what you can expect within your group. Does it happen the first week? Probably not Does it happen the second week? Maybe, maybe not But over the course of time As that group comes together You will experience these four things in your life And you will experience the fullness Even more fullness of what God has for your life But there's a question I always ask What will it take For this type of community To happen Okay, It's one thing to say These are the four things we're going after And they should happen But it's going to take something to get there, right So look at that verse again It says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and the prayer. Did you get that first part? All the disciples, and here's your word, devoted themselves. It's going to take commitment on our part. Here's what I want you to know. If you're interested in experiencing community, more than community going to somebody's house to watch the football game, more than just meeting somebody for lunch, but to experience good biblical community like this. You're going, okay, Keith, you got me leaning in. I'm curious. I'm a little interested in this one. Here's what it's going to take on your part. Commitment. Because if you just happen to show up this week, in a few more weeks you'll happen to show up, and then in a couple more weeks you show up and half the members do it that way, you will never connect like you're supposed to. You must be devoted to community. You must be committed to the very thing that you're after if you want to experience it. I told you, this whole series is about getting every single one of us into a group. But it's really more than that. The group is the vehicle. This whole series is to move each of us from living life on porches to living life on patios with God's people. And it's going to take commitment on our part. Now, let me just say this. I know as soon as I say that, you're going, I was leaning in. <gasps> I mean like, no, 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 commitment, you know what? All that's all I need is one more thing of commitment. I know thinking about joining a group of people that you don't know, that is scary. That probably brings PTSD to some of you going changing schools when you're in elementary school back a long time ago. So we don't easily just step into new people. So let me close by saying this one. We're going to make it as easy as you can for you to try and experience and see if you really want to be a part of community. So here's what's going to happen in your website there's a website or a page on the website you can look at you can look at all the different groups we have we have created different types of groups we've got classes that meet here on sunday morning we've got studies that meet as groups we've got home groups we've got groups that meet here in the church throughout the week we've got activity groups one of the groups we even have is a it's called praise moves it's a yoga class for women but they do it and they're going to focus while they're doing yoga and within the relationships they're going to focus on these four things so we have activity groups we have home groups we have life groups We have church groups. We have class groups. There's all different shapes and sizes. And they meet at different times. You can say, well, I can only meet on Tuesdays. Well, good news for you, you'll have two or three options for a group on Tuesday. You're going, I don't have any time during the week. but Really, Sunday I come to church and that's my only time available. Great, we've got a class here for you. There's some groups set up by ages. There's other groups set up by just other type of demographics in there. So we've got it all. Denise and I have shared with you all, we're starting a group at our house for the 20 and 30-somethings that we're going to meet once a week on Tuesdays and just come together that way. So there's all shapes and sizes. They meet at different times. Now here's the good news. When we kick groups off, there's been some groups that our church have been existing for a long time, and you can check those out. But as we begin, if you're interested in a group, whether one of our new groups or one of our existing groups, good news for you, you only have to make an eight-week commitment. Okay, so we talk about commitment. Don't think like if I step into group, I'm there until Jesus comes again. I can't get out of that thing. No, you only have to try for eight weeks. And at the end of eight weeks, you come up and say, Keith, you are a liar. That was the worst eight weeks of my life. You get out of jail free you never have to go back again. Now, sometimes, Denise and I, before, we've gone to a group and going, after eight weeks, those people are nice, but we just, that's not our people. And then the next time around, we found another group that was more our people. But eight weeks is the length of the commitment. That's all that you have to go to, okay? So there's a start and a stop. I often think back when my son played Little League Baseball. I love opening day, like baseball is starting. And I prayed every year he didn't make the playoffs because I was ready for baseball to stop, okay? I was like, just let's get an eight-week season and be done with it. We're doing seasons just like that with our groups. And here's the second thing to make it even easier for you, I know that first step into a group, especially if it's a group that meets at a home, can be even more scary. Because you're looking at an address, and you're knocking on the door, and you're praying to God, I hope I've got the right address, because this can be really awkward if I'm at the wrong house, right? And so here's what we're doing. On September the 10th, a Sunday night at 6 p.m., we're going to kick off all of our groups together. So we're gonna meet in the student, um, the, the, the student center out there, there'll be round tables set up everywhere. Every group will meet with your own group. We'll have a light meal going on that night and then we'll also just have some questions and so it's gonna be kind of a easy step in to meet the people that you'll eventually the next week step into the group with. So mark on your calendar September the 10th, whether you're an existing group or you're a new group, you've never been in a group or you've been going to a group, we want everybody to come up here September the 10th for that kind of official kickoff for all the groups. Whether they're existing, whether they're new, whether they're meeting now already, that's going to be a big night. Now we're calling it kickoff, okay, let me give you a little more detail. That morning we're still going to call it kickoff Sunday. If you haven't looked at your calendar, that is the opening day of NFL season, I've already checked. Broncos play at 2 o'clock, so there'll be plenty of time for you to get to the 6 o'clock, okay? To show you how much I love you, to show you the sacrifice that I will make for you as my church. Cowboys kick off at 6 o'clock that night, and I'm skipping the game to be here with you, okay? So also on kickoff Sunday that morning, I'm encouraging everybody, just have fun. Wear your favorite football jersey. Okay, your favorite team, wear it on Sunday morning just to remind us it is kickoff Sunday. There is rumors that one particular pastor may be switching allegiance from a blue and gray team to an orange team. You may see that Sunday morning, okay? So just to let you know, a little, little kind of precursor there may, may happen there. But it's kickoff, but the real deal is we're kicking off groups that day because I believe the community that we find in groups is life-changing. If you look in that that passage in chapter um, chapter 2, verse 42, it has that one phrase and says this, and a deep sense of awe came over them. I believe, church, it is within community that we will discover that awe. It is within community that we will experience a greater awe because you're with people. I'm going to invite the band to come up here, and we're going to close with a song today. And just as sings, sings, and it, it tells about just that awesomeness of God. As you leave here today, You can also go on the website to find out more about these groups. But as you leave those doors, we've got a new place. We call it Group Central now. There's a brand new sign out there. You'll see it as soon as you walk out. And there'll be information. If you don't have a website or you don't want to look anything up, we've got hard copies. You can actually sign up for a group out there. But the main thing, as you're looking at these the next few weeks, we need you to sign up so we will know who and all will be in every single group. But you can do it online or you can go right out there to our big display that we have as well. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is not just a bunch of just words on a paper, but it's words for our life. And so would you, Jesus, would you allow us through community to see the awesomeness of you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.